0: Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Friday morning. The weekend is upon us. Did you boys know today, Casey McAllister and Paul Fritzner Good morning, fellas. It is Cinco de Mayo. Oh, yeah.
1: Happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy, Happy Cinco, Cinco de, Mayo. de
0: Mayo. Indeed. Big data. You guys going to have a margarita today or maybe a little tequila to... Uh, celebrate cinco de mayo yay or nay i am
2: actually going to be celebrating my cousin's birthday the big 3-0
0: so are you gonna have a little uh tequila or a little uh catering mexican nice there we go very nice yes well we welcome you as always to off the bench presented by united dairy farmers i'm tom brenneman we come your way 10a to 12p monday through friday you can follow us on youtube slash chatterbox sports page and if you'd prefer to join us in podcast form, just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Reds had the day off yesterday after their 3-3 road trip through Oakland and San Diego. Tonight, they return to the home front and open a three-game series against the struggling Chicago White Sox. Good pitching matchup on tap tonight. Hunter Green for the home team against a longtime veteran right-hander Lance Lynn. First pitch, six forty. The game tonight, if you're trying to find it on the tube, will be streaming on Apple TV. Are there tickets available? I believe tickets are available. Good. Chicago is 10-22. Earlier this year, they had a 10-game losing streak. They had to play back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Tampa Bay, Toronto, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay never loses. Legendary broadcaster and former Cy Young Award winner, one of my old partners with a cubby, Steve Stone, will be joining us to talk about his career working alongside Harry Carey and what is going on with the team he broadcasts for now, the Chicago White Sox. Andrew Benintendi's in town tonight with the White Sox. Guess who else is 10 and 22 on the year? The St. Louis Cardinals. The Redbirds lost their sixth consecutive game yesterday They fall to the Anaheim Angels 11-7. Jack Flaherty roughed up yet again on the mound. St. Louis hosts the Tigers in a weekend series starting tonight. The Cardinals aren't the only ones, though, struggling in the NL Central. If you can believe this, the NL Central goes into play tonight collectively with an 18-game losing streak. Speaking of the Tigers, they were the opponent for Justin Verlander and his New York Mets debut last night. Verlander gave up back-to-back home runs in the opening inning, went the next four innings without allowing a run. The former Tigers started the season on the injured list with a strain back. On the hardwood, after watching the Lakers' domination up front in Game 1, Warriors coach Steve Kerr decided to go small, and what an adjustment it turned out to be. Golden State was seemingly in fast-break mode all night long, just hammers the Lakers in Game 2. Of that Western Conference Semi, 127-100. Draymond Green. That's our guy on the program. That's Draymond. Our, that's our guy. Only because he dropped Jordan Poole in a practice. <laughs> he got a rare start last night. Has 11 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists for Draymond. Series even at 1-1, game three Saturday in L.A. Tonight, Boston goes to Philly. That series tied at one apiece. And you have to believe the season is on the line for Phoenix. Denver leads the Suns two games to none. Game three tonight in the Valley of the Sun. Toronto and Dallas get wins in the NHL playoffs last night, evening their respective series at 1-1. Tonight, New Jersey tries to even its series at 1 apiece with Carolina. Just down the road in Louisville, Kentucky. It's a 149th edition of the Kentucky Derby tomorrow. It's the fourth derby to use this custom-made 65-foot starting gate to house the 20-horse field. We're down to 17, by the way. Three withdrew. The idea was to eliminate any disadvantage that came with the previous two-gate system. In short, it removes disadvantages for horses that inherently came with a bad post draw. Dan Cronin will join us for a preview of the derby where your money should be going that's a 1040 yes and by the way if you're wondering when you hear that last name he is the brother of mick cronin the son of hep cronin he goes by big fat guy fat ball guy racing yeah he
1: knows the horses he's, he's tuned in so reached out to him and he's coming on today so we'll see he said he might be at belterra he wasn't sure really he said yeah i, I asked him what time was best to come on and he said well i may be at belterra so we'll see Well, that's okay Right in the thick of it. Amen. Want it any other way. Right
0: from the, from the lion's den, as That's they like right. to say. That's exactly right. Well, uh, kind enough, as always, to join us. Normally, he's here on Wednesdays. Uh, but today, we have him a little bit earlier, and that would be the Hall of Famer. Marty Brenneman had a chance to see him last night, see him again tomorrow up in Columbus, Ohio. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. I hope you guys are. Paul, Casey, you want yep. to say good morning? You guys great. just want to go... Deaf, dumb, and blind. I mean, what do you want to do here?
1: Fantastic. Marty, how are you doing today? You doing okay? Everything good?
0: How's any better? Dot, dot, dot. Marty, I,
1: I got to say, I I listened to Brennaman and Jones on baseball for the first time yesterday. I was driving the home. The first time ever? Usually, I'm I'm a podcast guy. I never listen to sports talk radio. I always listen to podcasts. So, yesterday, thanks for I was, your,
3: thanks. Thanks for your loyalty, Paul.
1: Yesterday, <laughs> I'm ahead. driving home. And I'm, yeah. I'm listening I'm listening to Mo Eger and he says Brennan and Jones on baseball coming up at five. So I listened I listened the whole segment. I enjoyed it. It was fun. You're talking about uh moving to moving to Vegas.
3: That's correct. That's re- exactly right. The Oakland A's going to Vegas and uh Tracy actually has incredibly intelligent insight and, and I just I'm along for the ride. We've been doing that show now for I don't know, twenty three years, something like that. Uh it's amazing how The longevity has surfaced and we have a good time doing it. And I think he's a funny guy and a very bright guy. Uh,
0: Although he continues to come on this program and say over and over and over again, and I don't know if uh, Joe Frederick over there is head of sales or someone hasn't gotten the memo. He says (laughs) the name of that show is Jones and Brenneman on baseball. Tom, whatever
3: makes him happy is okay with me. My ego is not quite as voluminous <laughs> as Tracy Jones's ego is. So if he wants to call it J and B rather than B and J, that's okay with me. I don't care.
0: You have seen uh, a lot of brutal road trips through the years to the west coast of this country for your Cincinnati Reds. Uh, I would have to say all in all, I mean, some can say three and three, big deal. I, I would make the argument considering where expectations were and kind of the way they've been a lot like this this year, that three and three is a pretty darn good road trip out there.
3: I could not agree with you more. I uh, I can recollect back in the so-called glory days, back in the 70s, uh, even with the great teams that this city had, they could go out to the West Coast and they would – I would, I'm not saying they would be embarrassed, but they would have been thrilled to go out to at that time. You know, they were in the same division with the three West Coast teams, and and so they would make trips to San Diego, LA, and San Francisco. And if they came out of there with a, a 500 record, they would have been overjoyed because even the good teams had trouble winning out there. So, I I uh, I think three and three is is okay, and those people that don't then they are delusional uh, and they don't know history when it relates to this franchise and how uh, tough it has been for them to win and i think three and three is fine i really do
0: and you know overall you look at the team and, and again i go back to expectations and, and i know it's an old cliche uh, I, i've never gotten wrapped up in a lot of that a team's going to be great or they're going to be awful uh yeah. just because you never know what's going to happen when they roll the ball out there on the mound before a game starts I think many of us thought by the time we hit uh, the month of May that uh, you know maybe not three and twenty-two like last year, but maybe not far off. They're at least watchable so far this year. I mean, they can, can keep your attention.
3: Well, I, I I agree. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that that has a lot to do with one the the energy of the young players that they have, uh, you know, guys that are trying to make inroads and establish a. A permanent residence at the big league level not necessarily will they all be here eventually but uh, i think that that's that's one of the the driving forces behind this club and and also the kids that are uh, that comprise the big three in the starting rotation uh you i think there's a level of excitement when you've got hunter green and and nick lodolo and and uh graham ashcraft going to the mound in that order uh, so I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think that they, at times, they're they're very much fun to watch play. Uh, the key now is to sustain that over the long haul because you know you've still got five months left to go in the season. Uh, so, but at least out of April and into into May, uh, they've certainly given a decent accounting of themselves without any question.
0: You know, I want to hit a couple of other uh, topics here because they, they, they're very much in, um, in the chat on this show and, and they've jumped in already. Uh, here we are now in May and you can get into the whole thing about bringing young guys up and waiting to start the proverbial clock on them, the arbitration, free agency, et cetera. Well, now all of that has kind of moved on. Um, you've got Encarnacion Strand, you have McLean, you have these guys tearing it up down to AAA. Uh, um, right. when do you think, uh, we'll see those guys? Do you think we should see them now?
3: I, I don't know. Um, you know, and I agree that that conversation, the service time thing it calms down as you get out of the first month of the season. But I think now it's surfaced again, uh, relative to the young men that you mentioned. And you also have to throw Ellie Dela Cruz's name into that mix. Um, I think it was last night, and it's never more prevalent uh, or timely uh, we getting together here today because I think last night, uh, as they refer to him now, CES, uh, Christian and Strand hit three home runs. Matt McClain hit for the cycle, um, and now the cry is as is, is, is strong as it's ever been. I think you have to consider what this club is trying to do. I mean, they've made no, no bones about the fact that they're trying to rebuild and become an impactful club in the Central with these young players eventually maturing into very productive big league ball players. And, and, and I think you also have to consider the service time thing coming into play. Uh, does, this, does this club realistically think they can be a major player in the division? I would doubt it as far as 23 is concerned. You have to face reality. Uh, and even though the Cardinals are struggling and, and we've seen some things that nobody expected, the the performance of the Pirates, at the same time, uh, I think if there's one sport that crowns a true champion based on the number of, of games that a team plays over the course of a year, 162, uh, you have to take everything after five weeks of the season with a grain of salt and so if this club is keeping these people from coming to the big leagues until a certain time elapses I don't have a problem with that um, this is not a this is not a major market team that can spend uh, 300 million dollars on a payroll to try and win it all um, uh, and so those clubs don't care if they've got a kid down there and he's young and he's uh, the service clock is the service time clock has not started to tick yet because he's not been in the big leagues. They don't care. They get him up right now. But if they need to fill a hole uh, in an emergency situation, I think this franchise is different. Um, if they view bringing them up now would be counterproductive for this franchise in the long run. Under this circumstance and this town and this team, I don't have a problem with that at all.
0: Dad, I got to tell you, uh, I, I never thought I would say this in a million years because they clearly have holes. There's no debate about that. But I have to tell you, um, you know, I look at the National League Central right now, and I don't know if you heard, you know, they have a collective 18-game losing streak right now. I mean, yes. the Cardinals are right. awful. We'll get to them in a minute. I mean, they are Terrible. terrible. Um, yep. I'm, I'm not buying the Pirates. I mean, they had a good month of April. I'm not buying them. Uh, I think Milwaukee is without a doubt the best team. I'm not buying the Cubs. I'm not – I mean, I'm not so sure that if all of a sudden you were to fortify the offense – and look, there's no guarantee that any of those guys would come up here and knock the cover off the ball. They might fall on their face. But, I mean, you're <laughs> – you, you you can compete i think don't get carried away you're getting ready to say no don't I, i'm not all I'm saying is, right now uh, no all I'm saying is this i'm not because i think that like i said they got a lot of holes but all I'm saying is right now i look at these central division teams they are not in the same galaxy in my opinion when all is said and done when all is said and done they're not in the same Correct. galaxy with the mets and the braves and the dodgers And once the Padres kind of get things going, there's no juggernaut in this division. You done? I'm done.
3: I don't disagree with anything you've said, but when you've got three-fifths of a starting rotation, and you tried and tried and tried like hell to plug those gaps in number four and five, and nothing has been successful, This team will not be an impact club. I don't care how bad this division is until you can figure it out. And they keep this in mind now. They continue to run Luis Sessa out there. He continues to be subpar in every aspect of the starting rotation, yet they continue to run him. Why do they continue to run him? Because they don't have anybody down there yet ready to come up here and try to fill that void. They've got the Abbott kid who they recently brought up from Chattanooga into Louisville, uh, still early on. Uh, The Williamson kid who was a mainstay in that big trade with Seattle a couple of years ago that sent Suarez and Winker out of here, he apparently has trouble throwing strikes. So until they can figure out some semblance of normalcy, and I'm not talking about pitching equal to the other three, but to give them a chance at winning when they play, uh, when those kids pitch numbers four and five in the rotation, this club is not going anywhere. It's a bad defensive team. Yep. Uh, All you got to do is look at the not. This team's not going to be an impact player in this division in 2023 unless, underline that word, unless they can figure out how to become a better team defensively, how they can become a better team offensively, and how they can fill the voids created by four and five. Not even talking about the bullpen, which has been better of late but I still maintain that bullpen is not going to be an impact player uh, over the course of a year for a team that has aspirations of shocking the baseball world.
0: Speaking of aspirations, Chad Waits spent $10 to let you know that he's <laughs> writing in Marty Brenneman for president here in 2024.
3: I see that. Any reaction to you want me to that? comment on that? Well, I mean, he Go wrote
0: ahead. it in. I mean, he probably wants to know if you're going to throw your name in a hat.
3: Yeah, take a big deep breath, son, and step back. You know, you are already complaining about a senile old guy in the White House right now. You you want another <laughs> one? You want one worse <laughs> than the one you got? I no, think you, you, you got a lot more there.
0: going for you than the guy who's sitting in there right now.
3: Uh, you get no argument from me on that, pal. Oh boy. Holy (laughs) Moses.
0: Hey, you know, look, uh, you know, we talked about expectations for the Reds and they weren't high. We know that. Uh, they were very high for the Cardinals. Uh, and and I talked on the show the other day that I went back and I was reading about Mike Shannon, who sadly passed. We knew Mike for a long, long time. And and what a piece of work he was, but, but you know, they are in complete panic mode in St. Louis, just tripping across some of the columns and articles that are reading back there. I mean, they thought they had all these young players they were going to bring up and these highly touted prospect guys like we're talking about with the Reds. You know, they've got a couple of staple franchise guys on the corner and Goldschmidt and Arenado, no doubt about that. They bring in Contreras, but they tried all these young guys and they stink. I mean, I know there's a long way to go, but man, oh man, can you imagine what it's like back there right now?
3: Well, I've been reading a lot about what's been going uh, on right now, and uh, Oliver Marmol, the manager, didn't do himself any favors when uh, after they got beat. Uh, maybe, maybe it was last, I guess it was uh, night before last, and I think the Angels beat him or somebody beat him eleven to seven. And and uh, in the post-game news conference, some guy asked him about the. The state of the club and he lost his mind and and uh, went off on uh, you know you think the fans are the only ones who give a damn about what's going on he said we all lose sleep at night because we know the cardinal way and i've been in this organization for 17 years and i've filled every role there is to fill and now i'm the manager of the club and the buck stops with me and he went on and on and on bernie Mickles who i think is one of the great baseball baseball one of the great great writers in the United States, uh, with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch for years, he did all the quoting on the article, and then he took it point by point. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight opinions from him, his perspective about what Marmol said in the news conference. It was not very complimentary to the manager who is under siege right now. But I tell you what, you also got to consider the general manager. Ah, uh, people said in the off season, this club needs another established starting pitcher. John Mozilak did not go out and get that pitcher. Um, do I think they're as bad as they are right now? I, I know I can't, I can't imagine that they can be this bad, but uh, it has certainly stirred the pot up in St. Louis for a franchise that draws three plus million people like falling out of bed every season. And, and, and they continue to put the people in the ballpark. I've always maintained, in, in, in uh, deference to what they think in Chicago, the Cardinal fans are the best baseball fans in the United States. Um, and they're upset. And they, I guess they have a right to be upset when you have the kind of winning tradition that that franchise has had year after year after year. Whether they win the division, whether they're a wild card or not, they still – go out with the expectation of winning every time they play. And I think that's a mindset that is generated and cultivated and matured over a period of years when you are successful more often than not. But they are really upset right now because this club, you're right, this club has not just been average, which they would not have expected. This club has been flat out bad. And what the future is for Marmal and what the future is for this franchise, for the remaining five months of the season is going to be very, very interesting.
0: We have Steve Stone coming up on the program a little yes. bit later today, and you go way, way right. back with Stoney, as I do. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm going to ask him about this, but 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 I wonder, you know, he's been with the White Sox a lot longer than he was with the Cubs uh, at this point in time. After he left the Cubs in 04, he goes to the White Sox in 05, and here we are, you know, um, almost 20 years later, or roughly about the same uh, amount of time frame. Um, yeah. You know, you think back to those days, and, and, and look, I'm not saying about good, bad, or indifferent as far as play-by-play, color analyst, whatever it might be, but I, I have always felt that along with Tim McCarver and with Joe Morgan, that the, the, the third guy who's had the greatest impact as far as the television era as a color analyst – uh, in baseball as Steve Stone. you agree with that?
3: Uh, 100%. Um, I think the guy has an incredible knowledge of the game, and a lot of people do, but I think he has the ability to convey that knowledge in terms that people can understand when they watch him. First, as a, a longtime broadcaster, as you said, beside, beside Harry in Chicago with the Cubs, and then, of course, uh, in a lot of years since then with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, the guy's very bright, um, not only in, in in base in baseball terminology and knowledge, the guy's just inherently bright. I mean, uh, in, in everything. And so I've always been a big fan of Steves, and um, I'm, I'm glad that he's had the success that he's had uh, on uh, on the north side of of Chicago or, or is that right, South side of Chicago, um, and, and and doing what he's done um and and anytime you sit down and talk to him he's going to give you cohesive answers to questions that make sense because more often than not what he says is accurate and so i think those of uh, your your viewing audience who are going to be tuned in to watch steve later on after i get off here uh, they're going to be they're going to be very very impressed if they've never heard him talk uh, to any great degree about the game of baseball. And, of course, in particular today, you're going to, I'm sure, be touching about the plight of the White Sox.
0: You know, the, it, it, there's never going to be, Dad, though, anymore. And, and I think this is – this is it, it's sad for baseball fans. No teams anymore are going to have a booth like Harry Carey and Steve Stone. And there are others uh, because – they would say things that you know don't fit the climate we live in now uh and they would be critical uh, at times of the home team probably the most famous of all was Steve Stone was at the end of the 2004 season you were there when uh you know the cubs completely collapsed in the wild card race culminating with a weekend series that ended the year when the reds knocked them out of the wild right. card he was incredibly Uh, critical of Dusty Baker and some of the decisions that he made, including pitching to Adam Dunn, who hit a ball in the seats that ended up winning the game and knocking the Cubs out. Um, Fans aren't going to see that anymore. And and I wonder sometimes, or hear that anymore, I wonder sometimes, there are a lot of people out there that want you to be Homer, 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 Homer all the time. But then I think most of the people, and I could be wrong, I, I don't think people want Homer, Homer, Homer most of the time.
3: I don't either. I don't either, I I, I, uh, I I, feel bad for guys that are in this profession today because they have to measure every word that comes out of their mouths for fear of reprisal from on high, uh, whether you be, you're at a network level or whether you're at a local level. Um, so many guys have lost, not NBA guys, uh, in the last two or three years, two guys, I think, one of whom you had on your show not too long ago that was a former voice of the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, that got fired because he said something that the ownership did not like um i think it makes for a very bland broadcast very bland telecast when you have a team that is not performing up to snuff and and you constantly are are measuring what you're going to say because you don't want to put your job on the line i think it's unfortunate because i think the landscape of play by play and color analyst broadcasting today, again, is very, very bland because they don't have the freedom. And, and you know what? Uh, there is a line beyond which you don't go. I don't care how critical you, you have a reputation of being. You still know that there is a certain level beyond which you can't go. And, and I've had people say to me, well, where is it? And I said, I, I can't articulate where it is. It's an inherent thing that you learn from being in the business. But I think it's unfortunate. I think the fans uh, are not getting uh, what they may have gotten in the past from people like Harry and Steve and, and others that have worked in this business for so long, but I don't think it's going to change because uh, I think, uh, one, guys are working for less money today than they did in in those days and and so they really have to be concerned about wanting to stay where they are in hopeful in hopes of making uh, a big league level when whatever sport it might be uh something that would be consistent throughout their careers but no i agree with you you you're not going to see any more people like those guys anymore it's not going to happen again
0: can, can you imagine a hometown announcer? Dropping one of Harry's lines about, and we've all used a line, but not necessarily on the air, talking about one of our hometown players. The guy couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. I mean, could you imagine yeah. dropping that on the air now? Uh,
3: no, I cannot. <laughs> I, great line. It's a great hell of a line. line. Yeah, but I don't know. That's never going to happen. And like he and I didn't agree with this. I, you you go out and and you make a, you know, he went after Kenny Boyer when Kenny Boyer was playing third base with the Cardinals. This is 60 years ago. right? When uh, late in the year he struck out with the bases loaded or grounded into a double play in a run scoring situation, said he hadn't had a hit in a month and an RBI in three months or something like that. Uh, you know, that you don't hear that kind of stuff anymore. And, and it's, and, and I argue with anybody
4: that you have
3: an extension, you have a guy. booth that is being critical, um, They, a lot of them don't want to hear it. You know, they don't want to hear it. But at the same time, you've got the fans sitting at home said, that's exactly the way I feel. Well, all you are is an extension of the fans, even though you still represent the ball club and you're probably being paid by the ball club. But at the same time, if you're responsibly critical, responsibly critical, uh, I, I think that's something that ownership and management of, of, of professional sports franchises have taken away from their broadcasters.
0: I have a feeling after Chad put up that uh, note about Marty Brenneman for president in 2024, that was the Biden white house. It's been calling you so quickly, uh, uh, multiple times there, maybe, uh, a little concerned. As a matter of
3: fact, no, one was a spam call and one of them I just eliminated was from Jimmy Mooring, my good friend down at the Holy grail, who, uh i'm honored to be a friend of his because i think he's such a neat individual
0: well they've done a hell of a job at that place
3: yes they have and i mean that's a, great a big league man, joint, yeah
0: they've done a. yes great it job. is
3: no question
0: all right well i will see you tomorrow thanks for the time today great to have you with us fellas say so long to the hall of famer marty see you, marty <laughs> see you marty
3: have a great weekend
2: okay you, boys good being with you did you get my invite yet
0: no i haven't given it to him. i'll give it to okay. him tomorrow Okay. Yes. Wait, wait, Marty. Marty, yeah, you, got no you got a horse? You got a horse? You got a horse you like tomorrow, Marty? I don't know one f- horse running in that race,
3: Paul. None. <laughs> I'm All not right. a horse racing fan.
0: Worth the try. Worth no, the shot. You never know. You never know. Yes, it All is. Right.
3: That's very true. Good try. Didn't work.
0: <laughs> See you guys. All See right, man. Have a good day. Thanks. Thanks so much. Take for care. The time. You too. See, now, I'm telling you right now, I know it sounds ridiculous. And no one is more critical about that whole operation down there than I am. But there is no juggernaut in this NL Central. There's no juggernaut. Well, speaking of uh, juggernauts, Dan Cronin at the Fat Bald Guy Racing, that's R-A-C-I-N, Uh, on twitter social media influencer fat bald guy ray sing that with a g.com and check him out i mean he's got the shirt fbg you know danny in this day and age i mean you know you don't want to shame fat guys you don't want to shame bald guys but you're very comfortable with all of this
5: well that's but I said I'm short, I'm fat, and I'm bald, so I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to make fun of that, right? Only I'm, if you're that. <laughs> I'm all in. I'm all. How you doing today?
0: It's nice to see you.
5: I'm very busy this morning, but uh, you know it's a great time of year for me and and all my guys. You know we're excited, and honestly, we've been on a heater for about four days, so we are we're loaded for bear today.
0: So when you say, I mean, this is is obviously the single biggest event in horse racing. I mean, it's not even debatable, although a lot of other people think there are some events that, that might be even better than the Derby uh, when all is said and done. But when you say, you know, you've been crazy for four days, what is this week like for those of you who work in this business following horse racing? Well,
5: oh, you know, they start running on Tuesday, you know, and then here comes all the news about Friday and Saturday and and social media has made it so much worse. I mean, honestly, it is just, you know, the rumor mills are out of control every day. You know, this horse is scratching and that horse is scratching and the media is the last people to find out. And, you know, then we got to go back and redo the picks, redo the sheets, redo all all the podcasts, all the other fun stuff, you know, because you're picking horses that are scratched so you look like an idiot. Uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy, but, you know, they give out some good bets on wet Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, so you got to pay attention because you can really build that bankroll, which we have. And, you know, now the, the day is getting ready to kick off here, and they're getting ready to go in the gate, and uh, it's going to be a heck of a weekend.
0: You know, I want to ask you a little bit about, Dan, about the owners of horse races. And I know, like everything else, right, they come in different shapes and sizes, and they're from all over the country, all over the world, all that kind of thing. Uh, because of the following that the major sports have, baseball, football, basketball, and you know all about it. Your your dad was in sports forever, uh, help, and your brother, Mick, co head coach at UCLA. We love Mick Cronin on this show. Um but, but, but the owners of, of horse races, uh, of horses that run and train to get ready for a Kentucky Derby, um, what are most of those people like? Are they really involved in it? Uh, or does it vary uh, different owners to owners?
5: Yeah, it really varies, especially now with these big conglomerates where you can put in 250 bucks and get a toenail. You know, they end up with 50, 60 owners. Uh, but the guys like Mike Rapoli, you know, he puts millions of dollars in it and he's really around. Michael Dubb's really around, you know, so some of them are, you know, really hands-on. I mean, every trainer I know is hands-on. I mean, they're all, I mean, they put their hands on him horses every morning. So uh, the trainers, for sure. The owners, you know, it, it's just owner to owner. Some of them throw in money and don't say nothing. And then. You know, then you got my brother who throws in money, and if he's not in control of everything, he don't want to be in. So, <laughs> I mean, he's got three basketball games going on in the NCAA tournament, and he's yelling at the trainer about what race they're going to run in in March. I'm like, why do you have to control everything, right? But right. that's him. So some well, of them are less <laughs> than
4: All
0: right, well, let me ask you this then, okay? For the, for the average layman, okay, when you hear horse trainer – what separates a good one from a not good one or or, or a great one uh, from, uh, you know, a, a middle-of-the-road guy? Because don't they all basically do or believe many ways in the same things?
5: Yeah, but it's a lot like a baseball manager. You know, there's only so many moves you can make during a game, right? So you think, what's the big deal who your manager is? I mean, especially with a DH. I mean, what what do they even have to do? All they got to do is just sit there, right? You control the pitching staff. That's about it, right? Well, horse racing is the same thing. I mean, there's still really good ones that know what to do. You know, what races are – one of the biggest things, especially at at the middle and lower levels, is to put them in the right races because I say this all the time. We all in life got a level, right? I played high school basketball. I played small college basketball. I couldn't have played at UC or Kentucky or Duke. Horses are the same way they got to be put in the proper races so they can succeed. If you put them in over their head, it's like putting me on the Lakers last night, I'm going to look awful. But if I, if I run against people myself, you know, in some little West side white Oak hundred meter dash, I might do okay. So, you know, you just got to really know where to put your horse and the good ones know, The good ones know who belongs in the elite races and who don't. Uh, Some of the other ones, they'll they'll succumb to the owners. And you see that in the Kentucky Derby a lot, where there's horses in there that don't belong in there, but the owners demanded it, said, hey, he qualified, I want him in. And the trainer's behind the scenes trying to tell him he don't belong, he's not fast enough, you know, but they just want to run. So that's what separates them. They got to know what level to put their horses at and... If they do it correctly, they're very successful.
0: All right, let's get to the Derby. Now we're going to see if our audience here on uh, Off the Bench is ready to make a little cash. Before we get to the money part of it, give me an overall view of how you look at this field and this running of the Kentucky
5: Derby tomorrow at Churchill. Well, the first thing is I don't think any horse is heads above the top five or six on numbers you know there are some years american pharaoh street sense where you look at it and you're like i mean how's he gonna lose he's 10 points higher than everybody else but this race even the favorite forte who looks very good if you don't believe the rumors on the backside that he may not run i mean if he's fully cranked and healthy his numbers are only slightly better and i mean very slightly better than five or six other ones. So you really got to look this year at the 8, 10, 12 to 1s. They got big chances this year, where other years they're up against it because the favorite's just so good.
0: All right, Forte's a favorite. Last I saw it, 3 to 1. Tappan mm-hmm. Trice would be next at 5 to 1. You didn't mention that
5: horse. You know, he's got a chance, but he's one of those horses that does not get out of the gate well so with 20 horses or maybe 19 i hear skinner scratch now uh if there's only 19 and there's still that's a huge field and he's gonna he's gonna be way way back so he's gonna have to weave through them all he can win but that price isn't great not for his chances i mean i'm, I'm not telling people not to take him but be prepared for that big gray to come flying late and you're going to be screaming to get him get him to that wire because He's going to have to pass 18 or 19 horses.
0: Hey, I was mentioning, before we get back to some of the horses, I was mentioning that, 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 that new gate that was customized yeah. and designed. Uh, I think it was in Australia is where they did it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, but the, you know, to try to take away a disadvantage from horses who, you know, traditionally, depending on where they are in the draw and the post – uh they don't have much of a chance even before the gates open is is that is that i mean it's only four years now any factor at play there
5: i i think it's a big factor the one hole actually has a chance now instead of looking like they have no chance because in the past they almost had to veer over a little bit just to not hit the rail where now they got a clear run so The inside one, two, three holes is not near as bad as it was four or five years ago. And then the 14, 15, 16 used to have a big advantage because there was about a five foot gap between the 14 and the 15. So if you were 14, 15, 16, 17, you could come over a little bit and still not get crushed. Where now, if you're in the middle of that pack from eight to 14, You better break and you better run straight because the 20 on over, is they're coming. They're coming. They're all going to come. So you have got to get out and hold your spot or you can really get crushed and end up in the back.
0: All right. You mentioned keep an eye on some of the, you know, the 8 to 10 to 12s, the 15 to 1s. You go through that whole group, Angel of Empire. Uh, you've got Kings Barn at twelve to fills at twelve, um, Verifying down at fifteen to
5: one. W- w- tell us what you're thinking here. W- w- what are you looking at? Yeah, I, I like two fills, the uh, the Turfway winner, and I know, God, can you believe we could get two in a row from Turfway uh, after Rich Strike's uh, miracle last year? But two fills has a huge win at Churchill, which is the same thing Rich Strike had and that's big. He's he's won at Churchill. Then he he ran okay in the winter but not great. He was in front in the lane in a couple races and got passed. Then they sent him up the turfway and he ran a number that he's never run before. And if he runs back to that number, he's going to win at 12 to 1. So he could be like little ET a few years back, a lot of years back where he paid $30 and nobody believed Uh, Animal Kingdom came from Turfway. Not many people believed in him. And, I mean, he's going to be sitting right behind the speed. And if he can work out a good trip from that inside, and usually the inside lanes are really good on Derby Day, where that kid can stay on that fence and cut through, uh, I think two fills at 12-1 to has a monster chance to win.
0: All right, well, if you were going to take a flyer on on a long shot and when you start getting into the 20s and 30s and 50s to one, if not higher, I think 50 to one is the highest, and you've got, uh, what, five of them in that range. you got Rocket Can at 30 to one, Hit Show at 30 to one, Cyclone Mischief and Disarm at 30, Mandarin Hero at 20, Confidence Game at 20. Any of those guys you, you kind of look at and say, eh, Maybe
5: maybe confident game or uh verifying because they're on the inside in the two and four holes verifying i think is 15 to one Yep. uh confidence gains what 20.
0: uh Uh, yes yep Uh,
5: 20. they're on the they're on the inside they're in the two and four holes they both got some kind of tactical speed and if you if you look over the last 20 years especially since they've had the point system not many horses have come from way, way back. We've had some radical bombs come from way back. Uh, Street Sense was gonna win no matter where he was from. But for the most part, they've been stalkers. They've been right off the lead. And Verifying and Confidence Game are both gonna be right there. They're gonna be in that second, third, fourth, fifth to where if they're good enough, they're not getting in any trouble. You know, So when they turn for home, I could see verifying and confidence game and Kings Barn being one, two, three, and two fills trying to figure out: is he going to go to the rail? Is he going to go to the outside? And then you got the dead closers coming, Forte and Tapa, Tapa Trice That's you know going to have to come from way back. Now Forte, I don't think has to come from that far back. He'll be mid pack, uh, but I'll be hoping we can get to the wire before the two favors get there, so we can make some money.
0: All right, before I ask you for your picks here, Danny, and maybe you maybe you got to go to some paywall to get to this kind of information to Dan Cronin. I don't know. But let me ask I think you this. It's
5: only one race out of 100, so we're good. Okay, all right. Let me ask you this. Um,
0: the jockey. All right, now help me with something here. If if um, How many times has the jockey who's going to be riding Forte, how many actual races has that jockey been on top of Forte? I
5: think all of them. Okay, I have oh, to look. So- I have to look real quick, but I think he's rode him every time. Let's see. He's, uh, yes, every single time. So he's run seven times. He's win six, and I read Ortiz been on him every single time.
0: So will the owners and or the trainer when they 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 see a horse as a two year old that's getting ready and might be in a position to qualify or get to the Kentucky Derby. Do they? And this is 101 stuff, but, but I, I think it's always interesting to try and learn a little bit more about this. Will they decide right then and there, a year out, whatever it might be, that if this horse is going to run in the Derby, they'll pair that horse up with a jockey
5: that far up in advance? They try. Um, you know, it's not an exact science, but what happens is about August of the two-year-old year, these barns, especially the good ones, they start to weed out. You know who's good who's not they start figuring out what level they're at as their first couple starts and then the top jockeys in the world and Irad's one of two of the best jockeys in the world uh he and his agent are starting to look and say wait a minute i think this one's better than that one he'll call the barn and say i really want to get on this one in the mornings i really want to ride this one and there's a lot of there's a lot of that give and take behind the scenes and then ultimately, the trainer will say, "Okay, I think this one is our top horse, so I want Irad on that one. I think this one might be our second best. I want Louis Saez on that one." And they start going down down the lane. And you know, for barns like Todd Pletcher, who's got three really good ones, I mean, he's got three of the top five, six riders in the world uh, on these horses. So uh, the rider shouldn't be the issue. But in a in a nineteen or twenty horse field, it can be.
0: <laughs> okay, here we go. It's uh, as we like to say here on the program. It's nut cutting time here. This is nut cutting <laughs> nation. You've heard that term, West Side Guy. I oh, mean, your yeah. dad helped. He's dropped that from time to time. All <laughs> right, uh, nut cutting
5: time. Give us what you're thinking here, Danny. I'm going to make the trifecta with two fills on top with. Forte next to him. So I'll, I'll take three with 15 and then I'm going to take the three in the second hole with tap Trice in the second hole. Who's the five I'm going to then throw in uh, angel of empire. Who's the 14 with the 15 and then I'm gonna hit the all button in the third hole. So I'm going to hope a bomb runs third, but Forte or two fills has to win for me to cash. All and right, One of those Paul. other ones have to run second.
0: Paul, you got any thoughts on this? I mean, Love you're it. dialed in on all that lingo. That's way above my head, but you're dialed in on it. No,
1: yeah, two fills is the one that I was looking at, too. And, you know, Dan, a couple of years ago, I was telling this story yesterday. A couple of years ago, I I was really busy the week leading up to it. I didn't have a chance to really look at anything. I saw Velasquez. This was the year, I think it was Medina Spirit. Saw Velasquez was on the horse, and I saw Baffert was the trainer. Threw my money on it at the last minute, just looking at the jockey and the trainer and and, and won that one. Uh, how much can you just look into, I mean, I know we already talked about the jockeys and the experience like that, but is that something that, you know, I'm looking here at Reincarnate at 50 to one. I know Baffert's not the trainer, but it is a Baffert horse. Is that anything you would look at? I know his speed rating's not great now and he fades in the longer races, but is that anybody you'd look at?
5: Uh, reincarnate? No. And I'm good friends with the owner. So I feel bad saying that. Uh, we were at the Bellarmine fundraiser Wednesday night together, and he was trying to convince me that he had a chance, but, I'm not going there, but but I agree with you. You do have to look at the top trainers. And right now, that's Brad Cox and Todd Fletcher. And they both got you know three horses in there that got a chance. So I like two fills, and then I'm staring at the Pletchers and the Coxes and hoping they runs one of them runs second. And then I'm hoping some crazy horse runs third. And you guys know how the Derby is. There's always some 30, 40, 50 to one that hits the board. So that's what I'm hoping happens. Uh, two fills wins and you know one of them logical horses runs second and a 50 to one runs third you know that tries gotta pay probably a thousand dollars because two fills is going to pay 25 to 30 dollars if he wins
0: that answer your question paulie let's rock and roll yeah all righty dan we can't thank you enough for your time man please tell dad and your brother and your whole family we said hello we love the cronins here on the program and And all you guys have done and been in and around Cincinnati forever and a day. I assume you're going down there to the race. Is that a stupid question?
5: Yeah, I'm packed ready. My dad's already mad at me for doing this because I missed the first race. (laughs) And so I got to get in the car and hurry up and meet him at Belterry's. I don't want to be on his bad side, man. You better get the hell out of there. He's already pacing. But hey, he can't be mad at me, though, because Wednesday we were down at Churchill he tug along to go to the Bellarmine thing with me to, to raise some money for their basketball program. And, and uh, because of my picks, he hit for 750 bucks. So you saw an 80-year-old guy skipping through the parking lot. You know, like He was on air. I said, do you want to get in a cart to go to the car? He's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. He was <laughs> skipping, great. man. He was happy. He had his derby money.
0: <laughs> That's great stuff. Dan, thanks for your time today, man. Safe travels down to Louisville. All right, Tom. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, man. Great to have Dan Crona. Paul, thanks for getting him yeah. lined up. That guy's awesome. I, yeah. love, I love those guys. They all sound the same. Oh, yeah. Isn't it amazing? They all look the same. I mean, if you closed your eyes, you would think that was Mick talking the way those guys. And they're tight. That whole family's tight.
1: Well, I don't even think you need to close your eyes. He looks like him, too.
0: He does look like him. He does. And we love Mick. We, uh, the best podcast that I've said it before, and we're going to get him on again to this show. The best podcast that I, I've ever had, the best guest I've ever had on a podcast by far was Mick Cronin. Wasn't even close. It was a week after that incredible Final Four game where they got beat two years ago by Gonzaga. Remember, was it overtime or double overtime? That insane game. In the game. Final Four, yeah. yeah. It was like a week after that. And uh, man... What a great guest. He just lays it all out there. We'll have to reach out to him. I may do that later today and see about uh, getting him to come on. And we can can get a little little snippet from his brother on there, uh, that comment from his dad about his dad, and uh, get mixed reaction to that. All right, uh, when we come back, we're going to take a break here real quick. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the Derby. And we can circle back on that before we make picks later today. I feel a little weird making pixies. I'm not really, you know, but I'm okay. I'm going to do it. On the Derby? I am now. I feel better now.
1: Yeah. do I mean, do any of us really know anything? No, you're Dan right. You're, you're, you're right. We they just got to really have know. some fun.
0: And 11 o'clock, we have Steve Stone joining us to talk about uh, his career. Won a Cy Young Award. Grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Did you know his battery mate at Kent State University was the late, great Thurman Munson? Which, by the way, Kent State University, their big star right now, and that's a great baseball program, Kent State, their big star right now is one of Sean Casey's sons.
1: Yeah, he's playing really well. Yes, he is.
0: Just read an article on him last night. All right, we got Steve Stone coming up at 11. Ham and Eggers, speaking of Mr. President, please take it away. It's that time of the show,
3: the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. You
1: know what, I'm going to call it the Bearcats report today because the Cronin, it was close enough. Yeah, close Connection. And it's brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. That's right, Casey. Visit Encore.tech, the path to innovation Begins here. There is also a new premium alkaline water out. It's right here in front of me. It's Pawnee. Tastes fantastic. And it's made right across the street, right in the building next door. It's made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Uses natural limestone filtration. Unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use, the result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at pawneewater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I com to see where you can buy this great tasting water.
2: Let me see that for a second because they, I was going to
1: make the same comment.
2: They told us to look at the ingredients on this bottle, right? You go to your other stores and these other water bottles and the ingredients, they have a bunch of different minerals, different chemicals that they add to it to, you know, artificially make the alkaline. The only ingredient on this is water. It is, it is the only thing that they put in it is water. It is the only bottle of water out there that is actually probably the, the best hydration that you can get. Because there's no other additives
1: that nope. would slow it down. It's right here. It's water. It just says ingredients, water. That's it. Nothing else. Ingredients, water. We had a long meeting with the guys from Pawnee on Monday afternoon and, uh, or Wednesday afternoon rather. And they were telling us all about it. They talking about superior hydration, everything like that. And, you know, I guess you never really think about water like that. You know, you just think water, you know, you're thirsty, maybe you're hungover from the night before. You're not really thinking about it. You're a little dehydrated. You just want to drink some water. Yeah, you don't think about the differences in water and uh, they explained it all to us. They laid it all out and there is a reason that Pawnee is the best and you have tested it and it is the best. Yeah, and not only
2: just that too, they are growing at a very rapid rate. We were just talking to them and how they've grown just as of the last, you know, since we last talked to them. Yep. And I'm telling you guys, you could be OGs. You could be some of the original people to know about Pawnee Water and you could be the people to, to spread the word on this new water out there. I mean, I know it's water, guys, but it really is really good. There it,
0: is it, a and difference in water. It is, there is a people difference. not. You walk into a store and you just grab whatever, you know, your kid's soccer game or baseball or whatever it is, lacrosse, basketball. But there is a difference in the study show. Absolutely. Did you just say something? Uh, Somebody having a hangover? Nobody in this chat wakes up with a hangover.
1: Maybe not in the chat, but maybe sitting at
0: this desk. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a chance that that could happen Saturday or Sunday morning for either one of you this weekend? Uh, Well, we got Miami this
1: weekend. So what about the weekend after that? The weekend after that, I would say that the weekend of the 12th and the 13th and the 14th, there is – I might need to go make a run over to our guys next door and get a couple cases of Pawnee.
0: Really? I think so. Have you guys considered when you have these Miami baseball softball weekends, checking in like a little embassy suite they have over there? you know, there are a number of those in and around. Yeah. I mean, if you really wanted to go big league, you got to Houston Woods or something like that. But, if you wanted to find some place, cost you 100 bucks, 80, 90 bucks, whatever, right? And and actually gotten out on what do they call it Brick Street? Is Brick that the street. famous street? Yep, right. Yeah, my good friend yep. Mark Weisman owns a bunch of joints up there. Um, have you guys thought about that? Where you'd have to worry about driving home, you know, wrap up a day of baseball or softball, and then, you know, go have a few. Um,
1: Miller's. Uh, no. Uh, no,
0: for you guys, Bud Light or um, I or, or a White Claw or something like that.
1: I. Sometimes sometimes you need a weekend off. Sometimes you can't go every weekend. So the Miami weekends is a little detox and although Casey's done a lot more Miami weekends than I have. I've been I've been down at Xavier a lot. I think we've both had baseball in our own capacity. So the so the baseball weekends I will say have they give you a little chance to, to recuperate. Yeah. I would agree with that. Now Tom, if you are talking about do you want to call a Miami game, Tom? And then you – are you looking – are you projecting here? Are you looking for a reason to get up there to Miami to then get up to Brick Street? You know, then- I could
0: actually – I would enjoy that. I mean, I've been out on, on Miami's campus before, and I had a great time. It's a cool campus. Brick Street's a cool place. Right? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, seriously, a, a guy who was an intern for us at Channel 5, a guy named Mark Weisman. Uh, his family owns all the big joints up there, at least two or three mm-hmm. of them, including the one place that's got like two or three decks where all the musical groups come in there. I'm trying to remember the place. It's the most famous bar right there on the Miami campus, by far. Br- Brick Street? Br- yeah, Brick Street. Brickster. And, uh, and, um, and uh, you know, he's really the launching pad for a lot of these guys that are the big country music stars now. And he, and he treats them so well when they come in there as nothing. I mean, nothing. The Luke Bryans of the world and all these guys. In fact, when Luke Bryan was here last summer, he has stayed in such close contact with Mark and was so appreciative of the way that he was treated when he came into Miami 10 years ago as a nobody, right? They, they've maintained a friendship. Luke Bryan brought his entire band out to Mark's house for dinner night before their show here in town. Same thing with Cole and... All these other guys. I mean, it's amazing uh, how these country-western guys, which you come. it's no surprise. These are real Americans. How they would treat um, people that are good to them. Yeah,
1: well, Casey does have a bachelor party coming up at some point in the near future. So Maybe we they, do it up there. Whenever that happens for Casey, you know, I know he's going to need some Pawnee water. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Going to need a lot of Pawnee water. <laughs>
0: Well, all of that is still very much up for debate because the bottom line is for months and months and months we've been talking about this and still nothing from Tomas. We have a date. He is complete. I know you have a date. There's no itinerary. I mean, nothing. You're less than a month out. I know. Isn't that crazy?
1: We've been sitting here talking about this for nine months and we're like 28 days away now. Not that I'm counting, but I'm excited for you, Casey. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. I might be wrong. Might be 29.
0: Yeah, one of those drinks up there is called a trash can. Anybody that would get near that thing? You never had a trash can? I've had one, but I'm saying you are asking for major league trouble. Mm. Having two or three or beyond of those. Mm. You are asking for big time trouble.
2: Oh, look, look at the update on the chat there. There is an itinerary.
0: There is an itinerary. Okay, Tomas, and I owe you an apology. <laughs> I owe you an apology. Uh,
2: you know, he the other day when uh, Tracy was on, I think it was Tuesday, He Thomas was texting me, and he was like, man, I'm just catching all these strays from Tracy. <laughs> oh Beating up on my poor guy. But we do have a date. We have an itinerary now. What's a date? May 13th. May, is that so, a Friday? It's a Saturday.
1: Okay. Oh, I didn't. I didn't want to air you out. I knew the date. I didn't want to air you out. I didn't want to say that without. It's okay. I mean, oh well. Okay. Well, I'm just saying by you saying that date, you're opening it up to our good friends in the Nutcutter Nation crashing this thing.
2: If they, which can is find liable out. to happen, if they can find out what we're doing.
0: I mean, well, uh, look, I think that uh, we owe it to. Uh, to ncn as it's known now yeah just the an acronym right acronym i think that uh with that firmly in place i think we have to uh consider once the itinerary is public among all of us now that we have a date that we let some of those in uh ncn you know stop by and and, and raise one for you buy one That'd be nice. I, I I'll open it up eventually. Buy your white claw.
1: It sounds like there is there's maybe an element of this that could potentially be in in a more public setting. I don't know. I'm not going to spoil anything for Casey. It's Casey's weekend, so we'll see. We'll
2: see. We'll see what okay. not cut. I got to I got to right uh, make sure that we've got all the details hammered yeah. out first.
0: I don't. Saturday night. That is next Saturday night. Yeah, it
2: is. It's a week. It's pretty much a week from today. That's why we
1: were talking about the Pawnee water before?
0: Yeah. I got you. Okay. All right. All right. It's supposed to be a, be a beautiful weekend this weekend. We got to hope for a beautiful night next Saturday night, the 13th. Anything from Steve Stone yet? Nothing yet. Now, he is, he told me ahead of time, he is not the most tech-savvy guy in the world. He's in his hotel, I know, here in Cincinnati, and he is, is you know, look, he's an older guy like me, uh, and he's not uber tech-savvy. I will uh, shoot him a text here real quick and see if um, – if he's dialed in, we'll find out here in a minute. Um, and you know what? I misspoke a moment ago because when I talked about the best guests I've ever had, I have to say this, I got to thinking about this a second ago, the highest rated podcast that I ever did, it, which just goes to show you, and Paul Doherty and I have talked about this a lot, you know, he was a you know, legendary sports columnist for 30 plus years in his town Uh, But it would be the articles he wrote about um, his kids, whether it was his son growing up, going off to college, going out into the working world, a daughter who has Down syndrome, Jillian, uh, that those were the articles that got the most response. Same thing with me when I did one with our daughter, who graduated from high school at the time. That one got higher ratings and Bob Costas, Troy Aikman, all of them. Got more numbers that that watch that than any of them. And I got I to have my son now on one of these this year with us. He's got to be our big interview one day on a Wednesday after his graduation from high school. Got to get him through the lacrosse season. High school ends before lacrosse. And we know lacrosse is much more important than graduating <laughs> from high school. Just keep him eligible. Well, your, your son chimes in.
1: Oh, Luke's in here.
0: Oh, my. See, now this is not nice of him. Luke's in here. Yeah, he's off school today. Says, Ella was a snooze fest. That's his sister.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Luke. Throwing
2: shade. She's probably not even listening at the moment.
1: So, is today a day off school for everybody, Tom, or is it just the seniors that get off today?
0: Just him today. Oh, just him? Yes. Yeah. He had a doctor's appointment. Oh. Uh, He's been grinding it out. Um. And so, uh, yeah, he is, uh, has a, a couple of doctor's appointments today. So I don't know if he's going in or not going in. I don't know what the deal is. He says that Ella doesn't even know you have a show. Mm. Ooh. He might be on to something there.
1: She might have a burner in the chat, though. You never know.
0: <laughs> Highly unlikely.
1: What if Ella was just OJ's 84 Bronco? <laughs>
0: I'd have to go back and look at some of the things that OJ's 84 Bronco has said in before I would have to give a verdict on that.
1: 94, 94. You know what I mean.
0: All right, Sony says he's working <laughs> on this thing right now. he I, I don't know what's going on there, but hopefully we'll have him coming up shortly. Um, AJ says, Luke, leader of men. Yeah, OJ's 94 Bronco says, I am Ella. <laughs>
1: You think Marty's in the chat? You think Marty's got a burner in here? There's no chance.
0: There's a chance. There's a chance. Although he was never a guy that was in that hole. I mean, there have been athletes that have had, like, uh, 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 like, oh, yeah. like, Kevin Barbers Durant. Jumped in. What's that?
1: Kevin Durant. He's probably the most famous one. Had a what? burner.
0: Did he come out and say that he had one? Is that how people found out about it, or did he the get Burns? found? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And then the GM of the Sixers, remember that? That was the whole big deal. Like, and then his wife had well, one. Well, that was, was
0: that was Brian Colangelo. Yeah, yeah, I that was know a whole Brian big deal. very well. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: oh yeah, athletes have them all the time. You would be shocked at the. Well, you probably know. I'm not, but at the amount of athletes and and GMs and coaches and people that have anonymous Twitter accounts that are just there to see everybody and read everybody. Everybody's a human being. That's what people forget a lot of times is everybody tries to play it off like they don't care what happens on social media, whatever, but everybody's a human being and everybody, everybody's interested in, in what people are saying about you. And, and no matter how much you might want to play it off or no matter how much you want to say you don't care about anything, these athletes, these people... These coaches, these people that have huge followings, that are public figures, they care. They have profiles. They know how to find what people are saying about them.
0: Well, look, uh, th- there's no doubt about it, and that's why I think the the the, the hate is um, um is just so. It, it, it's just eye opening is not even the right word. Um. Because believe me when I tell you, um, I mean, I'm not at the level of the Kevin Durant and all that kind of thing. But I mean, the, the hate that has come my way, uh, it, it just what people say about you or do whatever. I mean, it, it just it, it takes your breath away. You can't believe that people actually say that about other people. You have every right in the world not to like somebody. You have every right in the world not to like what somebody said or what somebody did. That's, that's perfectly natural. Perfectly natural. But man, when you start dragging in, you know, some of the stuff that's out there. And again, you know, I brought it up before. Um, And here we're talking about guys with burner accounts. I mean, again, very few people, you know, they got all the guts in the world to sit there and say it about you. You know, uh, some Twitter account, J-O dot whatever. But I mean, they, you know, their real name, no would they say it to your face if they saw you in a Kroger store no way no no chance right no chance and I'm convinced 90 something percent of the people that that some of the things they write not even true I mean just look at that Reddit thing that happened last week this pertains to something different than hatred and all that kind of thing oh yeah Uh, but goodness gracious tell you what You guys, take a break real quick here again, and and, and let me just clean this up with Steve Stone here real quick, see if I can help him a little bit. Okay. Well,
2: one thing that we haven't quite talked about yet that we might get to later, um, the Lakers game. Oh, yeah. And I was really hoping that we would just get, like, a a whole series that was really, really,
1: like, top-notch. The Lakers are just too inconsistent. Well, I, I still think we're going to get a series here because AD is too—you're right that they're inconsistent. It's tough for AD to put a couple of good games together back-to-back. I don't know why that is, but it seems like— he has a hard time trying to put these games together two in a row. Um, And he did not have a very good game last night. Five for 11 from the field, like that's not not a horrific number, but that's not the number that you need to be at if you're Anthony Davis. You need to be more productive than you were last night. It was a game for the first half, kind of. And then the second half, it was never a game. I didn't watch a ton of the second half. I just kept going back and forth with the score to see if it ever got close. Every time I turned it on, the Warriors were making another play. Um it would I mean, be nice they, to see the Lakers win this series but they like to your point Casey they got to show some more consistency they got to show an ability to get guys outside of LeBron um to to be more involved in what is happening here because AD you you see what he did in game 1 yeah that's his identity and is then,
2: being inconsistent yeah. right but he can be really great so I I really hope that uh, they can, they can really put together something really nicely here soon. But I mean, when you're shooting fifty percent from three, Clay Thompson, man, just Steph Curry. I, mean, I know Steph didn't really pop off off, but I mean, when you're eight of eleven from three, that's hard to beat. Yeah, it's hard to beat that. Um, and then you know, I I find it so crazy that they trot out there with the small lineup and they still out rebounded the Lakers when they have got you know big dudes like AD and, Le- and LeBron and just it's very strange and that's not like I'm a super big basketball expert but you're a hoophead, how, how, yeah like how, how does that even happen man like I mean it was almost doubled the amount of rebounds
1: and the crazy thing was Draymond led the team you pointed this out Draymond led the team he only had 11 Drayvon was the leading rebounder in the game. He only had 11 rebounds. That yep. can't happen. In case,
0: uh, Steve Stone is saying he did not get the email Uh-oh. that we sent. Uh, Should I ask him to check spam?
2: Uh. Yes. Yes.
0: Okay. Here.
2: You know what? We're going to go do a short break. and A uh, well, commercial on the show. We're going to do a, a okay. small commercial. Throwback.
1: Throw, run the Lakota West ad. All right, guys. We'll be right back, guys.
2: At United Dairy Farmers, we've perfected freshness in our family bakery, where we use only the finest ingredients, like thick, high-quality glazes on our signature donuts, before delivering them fresh from bakery to store every day. UDF, made for you.
6: If your AC or furnace is struggling, turn to the experts at Bartell Heating and Cooling. Their certified technicians get the job done right the first time. And if you need a new unit, Bartels will give you upfront pricing with no hidden fees. Plus, ask about Bartels' 0% interest financing for 60 months. Learn more at bartelsheatingandcooling.com. Bartels Heating and Cooling, for a comfortable way of life. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, proudly sponsoring high school football with three locations in Mason, Liberty Township, and Ross, Ohio. Our 10-foot screens guarantee a great view from every seat in the house. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, the best place in Cincinnati for sports, food, and fun.
4: Where can you turn when you're in pain? Turn where more
0: high school, college, and pro athletes turn. Where your neighbors and weekend warriors turn. Turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and get superior care on your schedule. That's the Beacon difference. Check out our fresh arrivals at Jake Sweeney Used Cars. Over 250 used vehicles weekly. All makes, all models. From economy to luxury, Jake Swinney, the original used car superstore. Jake all right welcome back to off the bench presented by united dairy farmers nice to have some of our great sponsors there yeah haven't run those and and our buddies over at beacon orthopedics and so many others and um boy it's awesome to have this next guy on uh we were partners for six years back in the early 1990s with the chicago cubs i've said it once i said it on the show the other day uh I've never been around in my life someone that I learned more about baseball with on a day-in and day-out basis than I did uh, with Steve Stone. He was born uh, just outside of Cleveland in South Euclid, Ohio. We mentioned he pinched at Kent State, drafted by the San Francisco Giants in the fourth round in 1969. So he goes from the Giants shortly thereafter. He goes to uh, the White Sox. He goes to the Cubs. He's pitching hurt. For a long, long time. In fact, he had a torn rotator cuff, but no surgery. Continued to pitch. Baltimore takes a flyer on him in 1978. Two years later, he wins the American League Cy Young Award. 25 wins for the Orioles that year. Shortly after retiring, he jumps right into network television baseball as a broadcaster. Then on to the Cubbies, starting in 1983, now with the White Sox. Mr. Steve Stone, the Stone Pony. How are you, young man? Pretty good, Tom. How's everything with you? Everything's good. You never age a day. I mean, it's unbelievable. You look the same right now as when I used to sit next to you 30 years ago.
4: Well, I noticed you took off your glasses, so quite obviously uh, they need a (laughs) correction. But thank you. I kind of appreciate that. But I think baseball helps keep me young
0: you know stoney i always love to ask people who come on the program i mentioned you grew up outside of cleveland what what was life like in the stone household when you were growing up
4: well it was very supportive and i think you know one of the things and i i address a lot of uh, a lot of young people a lot of young people with their parents and a lot of parents groups and what i tell them is be supportive to your children because that's how they will be able to accomplish anything And it was no exception in my household. My mom and dad were responsible for just about everything that happened because they made the time to take me to the places I had to be. You know, you're talking about workouts and games and everything that goes with it. And without supportive parents, it's very difficult. So, uh, yeah, for for me, it was the folks, it was a very, it was probably a middle class, lower middle class upbringing. We were originally in a two-family house then moved to my first one family house when I was in third grade and uh, got to South Euclid, which is where I went to uh, elementary school, uh, where I went to uh, junior high school and high school, and then on to Kent State. So it was a a northeastern Ohio upbringing. I think it was a very good upbringing. Did a lot of people feel
0: like when you were paired up with uh, Thurman Munson there as a battery uh, mate that that both of you guys were going to go to the big leagues?
4: Well, they knew that he was going to. He was the number one draft pick of the New York Yankees. I mean, this was a guy that had enormous athletic skills. He was all-state in basketball, in football, and in baseball in Ohio from Canton uh, Lehman. And a, a terrific athlete. Didn't matter what he was playing. He was very intense. And yet, this was a small guy, became a major league catcher, and uh, there wasn't much he couldn't do. Uh, his, uh, his competitiveness burned bright, but again, when they came to see him, they saw this little right-hand starter who uh, could throw the ball pretty hard, and eventually I got drafted, and uh, eventually I made it.
0: You get drafted by the Giants, uh, and um, within two years, you're already pitching uh, in the big leagues. Um, that's a long way from South Euclid, Ohio, to Kent State, to <laughs> pitching in San Francisco, California.
4: Well, it, it is, Tommy, I mean, when, I, when I first started, I remember the first game I started was against the San Diego Padres in San Diego. And I looked around and there was Willie Mays in center field and Willie McCovey at first base, both Hall of Famers uh, to be. Uh, there was Juan Marichal was the number one starter, Gaylord Perry the number two starter. And then uh, it was me. I was the number three starter. And we had Bobby Bonds in right field. This was uh, an enormously talented team. We won our division in 71. But I remember thinking, here's this, uh, this little guy from South Euclid, and Willie Mays is chasing down my mistakes. So this was, is this was pretty heady stuff. I was 23 years old, and uh, I, I made it um, <clears throat> that, that particular spring training. Uh, Chris Speyer, a 19-year-old, non-roster shortstop, made it out of spring training. I was a non-roster pitcher. And, you know, it takes a lot when you're not on the roster. they got to take somebody off. they got to put you on. And then they give you a shot to make it in the spring. If you don't make it, they send you very quickly back to the minor league camp. So uh, I was very happy. It worked out really well. And I didn't find uh, the good pitcher that was in there until down the road a bit. But those early days with the Giants were, were very exciting for me.
0: Now, you know, my, my dad was on earlier and was talking about you and about, uh, you know, e- even back when you came up, uh, your manager, correct me if I'm wrong, was it Charlie Fox? Was that right? Charlie Fox, yeah. Did? Okay. And I mean, he he would talk about, you know, you not being this tobacco chewing and spitting and, you know, drinking uh, kind of, you know, that you were, you know. Extremely articulate, very well read, had interest outside of baseball. Uh, and, and, and for you to kind of stand by who you were as a person in that
4: world, how hard was that? Well, it was different. I mean, first of all, Tom, you have to understand that, uh, and this is not a knock at today's game. This is just the way it is. Baseball was a much nastier game back then. If, uh, if you hit a home run off certain pitchers, they would throw at you the next time. If you were hanging around second base, there would be two or three, four guys on a team that would come down there and try to clean your clock. Uh, you had to learn how to uh, throw almost underhand at times to get a guy down, make sure that he slides. It was a game with much more contact. It was a game where it was uh, it was something where you expected to get knocked down a time or two. I, I remember my first uh, encounter with Bob Gibson, and I was, uh, I was opposing him. And first time up, uh, Joe Torrey comes up, and I hit him uh, in the upper bicep with a fastball. He stood right on top of the plate. He won the batting title that year. And I hit him with a, uh, with a fastball. So it goes to first base. That's fine. Nothing happens. But now I come up in the third inning, and their catcher is a guy named Jerry McNurtney. And I said to him, uh, does he think that uh, I hit Torrey? And he looks at me and he goes, "We'll see." I said, <laughs> we'll see. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It doesn't sound too good, you know. I'm just starting my career here. There's a guy throwing eight billion miles an hour on a mount. So <clears throat> the thing was, the scoreboard was in left center field. They had these colored uh, boxes, uh, you know, for outs. It was red uh, for base runners. It was green, and for balls and strikes, it was a white uh, a white light. And Gibson threw low three quarters. He threw a fastball came out of that white light, and it was right in back of my head. And i seen it. I'd have probably moved back into it, but the ball kind of exploded behind my head. I never moved. He probably thought I was the bravest guy in the world. And I said to McNerdy is it over now? He goes, oh, yeah, it's over. I said, okay, that's great. And he went about you know, the job of striking me out, which he was going to do anyway. But the, that's the way the game was played. Again, it wasn't better. It wasn't worse. It was just different. <clears throat> you had to get used to it. <clears throat> that's um, – excuse me that's not exactly what we did in the south you Hurst little league but that apparently is what they did in the national league and uh, they weren't going to get used to me so i had to get used to them
0: you know you suffered a number of injuries and i brought up having a torn rotator cuff uh, it, it, when a guy gets an elbow injury now and you know all about this i mean they come to Kremchek here or they go to james andrews there they come <coughs> back they throw harder and better than maybe they ever threw before they still have not found a way to have a major breakthrough with shoulders you actually have a torn rotator, yep, you kept going. You opted not for the surgery.
4: Why? Well, there was a couple of things that I opted not to get. Um, at the time the cuff doctor couldn't really diagnose what I had and never mentioned the word a rotator cuff. <clears throat> so he said, Well, I want to put four cortisone shots across the back ridge and one in through the front. And I said, No, I don't think so because I think cortisone has a debilitating effect on the joint and i think i have a career after this year he said well that's where you're wrong if you don't start throwing the ball you don't have a career and i said clint i got the deciding vote it's my shoulder so i didn't let him inject me which would have just masked the pain and then a buddy of mine who was in the fbi said i think i've got a guy who knows what's wrong with you i said how can you know what's wrong with me he never talk to me he said just talk to this guy he said i'll talk to anybody he was a kinesiologist he diagnosed a rotator cuff problem And uh, he put a one-pound weight in my hand, my hand dropped to the floor. He said, yeah, I don't think it's a big tear, but I think it's definitely a tear, and I think we can fix it uh, by working out for three months. And I was able to do that. After that year, which which was 1976, after working out three months with what he called cryotherapy, which was freezing it with ice, working out, doubling the blood flow because of the ice and because of the exercise. I never had another shoulder problem the rest of my career. It turned out to be an elbow problem that ended my career in, in, uh, in 82. But the shoulder was just fine. Had I gone to what the Cubs wanted to do, it would have torn a hole in that and I never would have pitched again. So sometimes you listen to that inner voice, that inner voice tells you, uh, I can't, he can't tell you what's wrong. And you don't know what's right, so wait, something's coming. And that the, it was a kinesiologist at the University of Illinois Circle campus that, that got it.
0: You know, you go to the Orioles, and it sounds like it's a case now where it's just being healthy. Uh, but, I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious. Uh, you go to a good team, uh, but 25 wins. Uh, th- th- there's no chance we're ever going to see that again.
4: Well, I, I don't know. I mean, they're not valuing wins uh, quite as much, apparently. There's a yeah. lot of uh, the computer philosophy is that wins are not important. You just happen to be there. But I will tell you something about a win in the major leagues then and a win in the major leagues now. You still have to get 15 outs, Tom. You still have to take your team through at least five innings. And if you can get 15 outs, that means you're leaving the bullpen with only 12. And you've got eight guys down there that can get 12 outs. You should be able to do that on a major league team. And so my feeling is qualifying for a win is still a pretty good stat. Getting the win is still, maybe there's a lot of things that enter into it. But, um, you know, it was one of those years where everything came together. I happened to get 37 starts that year. I happened to throw 250-plus innings. Those things don't happen very much at all. And bear in mind, I mean, I'm a jockey. These, some of these other guys, you know, like Sabathia, I remember the year that he won the side, going from Cleveland to Milwaukee, pitched great in both places, but he completed 10 games. And they said, you know, what a horse he is. Well, yeah, he is a horse. He was six, seven, 320 pounds. Well, I completed nine games in 1980 and everybody went nine games, what's that? <laughs> well, now you'll see whole divisions in baseball not completing nine games. So it's a different philosophy. Uh, Nobody will get 37 starts anymore, and uh, you know, winning 25 was it was it was magic. It was a magic year, and I figured, you know what, the curveball is so good this year, I'll keep going with it. And I was throwing 70 curveballs a game. I also found out why nobody does that because it tears up your elbow. But that's another story. Um,
0: when you, you walk right out of the, uh, of the field and you walk right into the, uh, broadcast booth, uh, at the network mm. level. But then a year later you decide to, you're, you're brought on by the Chicago Cubs in a superstation WGN. Um, and you're with Harry Carey and, and look, I wish I had a dollar. I mean, for you, if you had a dollar for every time you're asked about it, you would have, <laughs> I, 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 I don't think it's an exaggeration. You probably have $50 million in a bank. Uh, I think that's probably safe to say. But, you know, you look back on those those 14 years together. I'm asked all the time what was it like to be around the guy. You were actually sitting next to him each and every game. As you look back on it now, has it changed the way you reminisce about it now or look back on it now than maybe it was a year after you were out or five years after you were out or ten years after you were out of that?
4: Well, I view myself as being very, very fortunate to have worked with some of the greats in the game. And, you know, I've had maybe 100 play-by-play partners. You are in that category, Tommy. I consider you one of the greats in the broadcast business, always have. And, um, you know, I I look at some of the other guys, it's uh, something in baseball, I think I played against, with or against 47 Hall of Famers. And in broadcasting, I mean, my first game Uh, to my right was Al Michaels to my left was Don Drysdale I mean this is the first game that I ever broadcast ABC Monday Night Baseball and two legendary broadcasters you know Hall of Fame pitcher and a wonderful broadcaster in Drysdale and Al Michaels uh, a lot of people they don't understand that Al didn't make his bones in football that he was a baseball broadcaster he passed right through here in Cincinnati and a wonderful broadcaster what a great experience that was and you know, broadcasting with Howard Cosell and Bob Euchre, my first jobs and then first, uh, first local job was in Chicago and it was with Harry. I couldn't ask for a better experience because he was very generous with both his praise and criticism. And that's, that's good. I mean, you need somebody to evaluate your performance. And Harry was able to do that for me. I, I owed him a tremendous uh, debt of gratitude for smoothing out the rough edges and telling me what sells on local as opposed to national because it's a different world you know that certainly, Uh, uh, you know, it's two different broadcasts. And so for me, the people that I have been in the booth with have helped make me the broadcaster I am. And I couldn't believe, you know, I started in 1969. Uh, I had one year where it crossed over both as a player and a broadcaster, but all in all, uh, 55 years in pro baseball, both as a player and a broadcaster. When I first started out, I could never have envisioned that it would go this far. But Having looked back at it now, I I can't envision a better way to spend your life, to make a living, to pass your time, to keep you young, to do all the things that uh, we all get a chance to do. All of us who are privileged enough to have broadcast major sports, and you've done a few of them.
0: You are closing in on having been with the White Sox nearly as long as you were with the Cubs. You're 83-04 to 04 with the Cubbies. You've been with the White Sox since 2005. Do you find, um, not, not necessarily in the city of Chicago, maybe in the city of Chicago, I don't know, do you still find, because people like to hang on to the old days a lot, do you find a lot of people still look at you as,
4: as a Cub guy or no? <laughs> That's funny you should mention that because, yes, they do. You know, look, I left the the Cubs after 2004. I got to the White Sox in 2008. And in between, it was uh, TBS, it was CBS, it was ESPN. There was a few different places I worked nationally uh, before I got to the White Sox. And this is, I think, my 16th year with the Sox. But, um, you know, I look back on it. Wonderful experience. uh, Broadcast is a little different these days than it than it was before um all things considered uh i've been really lucky and had a lot of great partners over the years that's probably the only reason why i'm still around doing it but also uh i always said that i would do it as long as it was fun right now uh it's it's a lot of fun even though we got off to a terrible start this year well, speaking of the White Sox,
0: they open a series tonight here <coughs> in Cincinnati. Um, you're not yeah. doing the game tonight. It's on Apple TV, but tomorrow and Sunday you'll be doing a broadcast. Um, a, a, a terrible start. Had the 10 game losing streak. Um, certainly, this is a team that had higher expectations than that. At the end of April, they make 11 roster moves. They're turning this thing inside out and upside down. What is going on with the White Sox right now?
4: it's a combination of a lot of things. Uh, You know, you can start the season, you know you're going to get injuries, and you just have to hope that the injuries you get are not to the consequential players on your team. So if you were to look at the whole 26-man roster as it figured out going into this year, the first guy you could least afford to lose would be Liam Hendricks. And, of course, you know the story with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Liam uh, is going to get back to the team a lot sooner than everybody thought, but still it left a huge hole in the bullpen. Now the concerns are for Liam's life, and that's really truly a battle for his life, which at this point, I believe he's won. He's cancer free, which is great. He has worked out all along. He's an enormously tough guy, and he will be back to the team, but that was a big loss. Garrett Crochet was gonna be our number one left-hander. He had Tommy John surgery. He won't be back till probably the end of May. Then we lose Tim Anderson, another guy who, when he is right, when, when he's in this lineup, this team, if he gets a base hit, this team plays well over 600 baseball. If he drives in a run, they play almost 700 baseball. If he hits home run, they play 800 baseball. And this is a guy that's essential to the team and we lost him. Uh, same thing with Juan Moncada, who had a great World Baseball Classic, got off to a terrific start, we lost him. I think the biggest factor for the Sox this year has been a proliferation of injuries to consequential players. Eloy Jimenez was also on the injured list. He's one of those bats in the middle of the lineup that we certainly need to have on a daily basis because he can really hit. And they're trying to keep him healthy by making him a DH. So there's a lot of things that went wrong. The bullpen has been in a shambles at times. Now it looks like it's getting a bit better. This last trip through the pitching rotation, the starting rotation, was pretty good. And hopefully they will all get it back again because if your starting rotation doesn't protect your bullpen, eventually the bullpen wears down. If you're not catching the ball, and as you know, the Sox have had some defensive issues over the last couple of years. At times, we don't play as clean a game as we'd like. But there's enough talent here to be in contention. And the best friend the Sox have, Tommy, he is the Central. The American yeah. League Central. I, I don't think anybody's running away with it. But, I mean, imagine you're in the American League East. You're looking up at Tampa Bay trying to catch them. And you start out 10 and 22. You can pretty much call in the dogs. I think that's that would be about it. But they're in the Central. And, uh, you know, Minnesota's a decent team. Sox just took two or three from them. They've split the season series with them at three and three. That team's not going to run away and hide. So uh, just stay close. Eventually, all our injured players will come back.
0: Stoney, we can't thank you enough for the time this morning. We've kept you for a while, my friend. Welcome to Cincinnati, and I look forward to seeing you a little bit later on today, my friend.
4: Sounds good, Tom. Take care, and I'll talk to you. And sorry about the snafu with the time. I somehow thought it was tonight. I was really psyched up for tonight, Tom. I was going to get my makeup on, do my hair, do all that good stuff with the day off. And you tell me, are you coming on? I look at the clock. You meant 11 o'clock a.m. Oh, well, no, what can you
0: do? No, we're just glad to have you, my friend. Thanks so
4: much. Thanks, pal. I'll See you later.
0: All right. Steve Stone, kind enough to join us from downtown Cincinnati. Uh, in town for the, uh, boy, he's been coming to this town forever. Um. I don't think he would. You know, you know what happens with a lot of guys is uh, it, it, there, was a, uh, there was a thing, and I think the guy, and it's why I never liked him, um, was, um, oh, gosh, he was a Cub guy, one of Cy Young, Jake Arietta. You know, he's asked about what's his least favorite town to come into. Right now, I don't know if uh, Jake Arietta is a big restaurant guy, a big bar guy, any of those kinds of things. More and more players are not. Um, but, you know, when teams come into cities and they stay in hotels – They basically don't really want to leave the hotel much, not because they're going to be bothered by fans, because 99% of the baseball players, nobody recognizes. I can promise you there are more people, if Steve Stone walked down the street, there are more people that would recognize him here in Cincinnati than any player on the White Sox team. Tim Anderson, Lance Lynn, any of them. You can book it. But the point I'm making here is, is that, you know, none of these guys would venture out, for example, to go to over the Rhine. So if you're staying at a hotel in downtown Cincinnati and they're all very close, say, to the ballpark where you can just walk right over the bridge and you're at the ballpark, you can walk home after the after the game. Right. Which makes it really, really nice. We've talked about that before, but you really don't see much of a town. And we've talked about we know it. There's not a lot of retail down there in downtown Cincinnati. Uh, I know they say they're working on it, but they say they've been working on it for years. That part of downtown outside of the banks has been kind of slow to get going. There's some beautiful buildings down there, but there's not a lot to do. Um, thus, a lot of players have a just a bad impression of Cincinnati because they really, outside of maybe two blocks from their hotel, they don't go anywhere else. Um, but Stoney's the kind of guy, and he had asked me about it. He had said, hey, you know, I've heard a lot of things about uh, this, what's going on in Cincinnati. And, you know, and I've shared with him, and I've shared on this show, there aren't five downtowns in America that are more fun to hang out in than downtown Cincinnati right now with over the Rhine. Now those guys aren't coming in here and drinking all weekend. So, you know, maybe that's not their thing, but it's a cool area. They've got some cool kind of different retail stuff to walk, but that's a long walk from down from, from right down there, say third, fourth, fifth street to get all the way down to the, um, to over the Rhine. Yeah. Yeah. Really long walk. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's not really a direct
1: path. Is there? Like, you have to kind of... Well, I mean, it depends where you are. But, yeah, if you're in over the Rhine, you're in over the Rhine. If you're down by the ballpark and the banks, like, those are two separate areas to hang out in. You're not really walking from one to the next, necessarily. Hop in the streetcar. (laughs) (laughs) Not a big streetcar guy, Tom? (laughs)
0: No, it's just some of these guys in the chat. I mean, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, Everett, you're right. I mean, straight up from over the Rhine, it'll get you right up there. That's on Vine Street. Oh, yeah. That'll get you right up there. I'm just saying that a lot of guys, they might want to go out for a 5 or 10, 15-minute kind of walk around the block a couple of times. But not many of them are going to take a 12 or 15-block walk. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yep. Yes.
1: Tom, are you ready for disaster? And by
0: the way, the guys who are saying that Anthony Rizzo is not a nut cutter, look, I don't care if he blamed a mattress in this town for him having a bad back. I'll take that dude on my team all day, every day. That guy's a gamer. And he's a player.
5: Everybody would
0: want Anthony Rizzo on their team. How in the world can you say that he's not a nut cutter? Anthony Rizzo? Are you kidding me? He's the ultimate nut cutter.
2: Someone clip that.
0: (laughs) The ultimate nut cutter. He is. I mean, come on. Everything that the guy went through with the cancer and all that kind of stuff gets traded a couple of times. You know jed hoyer's chasing him all over the globe trying to get him back i mean come on anthony rizzo gamer you may not like him he was a cub you may not like him now he's a yankee that's all fine but come on world champion team captain reed mouse saying the same thing i'm saying right now nut cutter rizzo Okay, I guess the chat doesn't like Rizzo.
1: Tom, I have breaking news near and dear to your heart. Let's near, hear it. Near and dear to my heart, that is disturbing, sad, and ooh, this doesn't sound good. A bummer. A bummer. Yellowstone's gonna end after this season. Costner's done. He's out of the show.
0: I said I read last night he was out of the show. Uh, His wife just announced they were getting divorced. I know. His wife of 18 years. Brutal. I uh, said that uh, he's been gone from home on the show. It really is. It's sad because, uh, you know, we've talked from time to time about favor. I'm down to my final two episodes, by the way. Oh, Breaking Bad. I banged out a couple. And you still don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm down to the last two. He's just, uh, you know, um, left his little girl at the fire station. Okay. That's the way that one ended. Okay. So two to go. I got uh, episodes 15 and 16 of season five left to go. Great show, Breaking Bad. But of all the shows, um, and, and if I've heard a common theme about Yellowstone, for a lot of people, you know, sometimes all of us, you know, look, we're impatient. Oh, I'm impatient. I mean, Lord knows I pray for it every day, right? Better patience. Yellowstone, I- I've heard a lot of people say, ah, you know, try the first two, a couple episodes, just couldn't get on it. But man, I tell them all, if you just get, just stay with it, because it, it is an unbelievable show. And I'm really sorry it's coming to an end. If anything, the first two and a half seasons are the best part of the show. I'm talking about the first two episodes oh, oh, oh. of season one. Okay. Because, you know, you're introducing everybody. You're kind of figuring out who's who, what's going on. It's not like the opening scene of uh, Billions where all of a sudden you're just like, did that just happen? I've never seen that scene. Uh, People know. Uh, but there's... there's um, you know, it's not like. But boy, once it grabs you, and it's such a shame that he's not going to be on there. Paul, have you watched that Casey? Have you watched uh, Yellowstone? I've not.
2: No, I've heard. Uh, I've heard you two talk about it. I've heard many great things from many great people about Yellowstone. I just, it's not. It already wasn't like my, my type of cup of tea, anyways. Genre wise, like a country setting like i don't know that's just not my cup of tea but you don't like the country no i do like the country Mm. i just i'm not a um, a cowboy you know that's not my thing
0: okay Mm. so you're not into western kind of thing
1: i'm a viking uh you ever watch uh god you ever watch mayor of easttown The show with Kate Winslet, it was just a one-season show. Yes, I enjoyed it very much. that was a really good show. Yes, it It was. It wasn't a show that lends itself to more than one season, but that was a good show.
0: Excellent show. Really good. She put on a lot of weight for that show.
1: Did she? I don't know. Yeah,
0: I think she did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even recognize her at first on that thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So now, have you
0: dived into 1883 and 1923 and all this kind of spinoff of of, of, um, Yellowstone? I've watched them a little bit. I've
1: watched them a little bit, but not as religiously as I've watched Yellowstone. The problem a little bit of that was that uh, the what was the Game of Thrones spinoff that we just House, House of the Dragon? Watch that. That was uh, that's kind of right up that kind of right up that alley. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching all that through the fall, too. And then with the NFL and college basketball and everything, I kind of have to split the time. You don't really have a whole lot of time for shows and everything. So I haven't made it to 1883 yet, but I want to, because I've heard 1883 is really good. I haven't heard a whole lot. So, so 1923 is the
0: one with uh, Harrison Ford, right? Harrison Ford, okay. correct. Uh, 1883, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the country star, he's a big guy. McGraw. Tim McGraw. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And yep. um, and also, in uh Sam Elliott in that? Yes. Yep. Be- that's big league. A oh, big league. Big or Sam Elliott. Not Cutter. No doubt. Uh, somebody asked, have I seen Sons of Anarchy? Absolutely. 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 Talk about nut cutters, One right? of the, uh, no doubt, one of the all-time great shows. Yeah, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. Thank you very much. Yeah, Sons of Anarchy was an unbelievable show. Uh, we're getting, looking for some other. I keep hearing about Succession. So do I. You want, here, here's what we're going to do, Tom.
1: You're going to finish the last two episodes of Breaking Bad. Okay. Probably got to decompress a little bit, right? We <laughs> can't be watching too much all at one time. We'll start succession together. All right. We'll we'll do it together. All right. right. We'll roll through it together because I haven't done it either.
0: I hear that's a great show. All right. I mean, everybody always brings that up in the chat when we drift off of this. Justified, uh, J.D. says the best of all of them. Never heard of it. I've heard of it. Uh, Reed says succession is fantastic. So is uh, Everett. He says succession will go down as the GOAT. Andrew says Succession is the best on television. So, uh, Casey. Yes. I can't even look over there with a straight face.
2: What? What is it? What? What
0: What are, since you said you're not a Western kind of guy, right? Yeah. Okay, but you said you are a Viking.
2: I'm an East Coast guy, yeah.
0: But you're Viking, a Viking. Uh, yeah. Okay, so what shows then would you recommend since you're not going to be diving into Yellowstone or 1883 or 1923 or any of that kind of stuff? And Leif Erickson never comes on anymore. We would ask him, but he's never in the chat anymore.
2: Well, um, some shows that I would that I would recommend. I just finished... Um, is it is it bad
0: Bad. Chad says you're a pretty little liars kind of guy <laughs> <laughs> yikes hey yikes. you know what my wife and daughter watch that show and they say it's fantastic I'm watching never
1: seen it maybe one episode ever seen the notebook Tom no the big rom-com guy
0: what's rom-com romantic comedies oh okay okay I, I do like romantic comedies. I am a you know I am a gentle, soft sided kind of a man. I mean, so I love romantic comedies.
1: Not that the Notebook is a rom com, but I guess squint your eyes, tilt your head to a certain genre, it might be. You want to know what, what I've been watching as of late?
2: Yes. The Boys just finished that. Oh, heard, I've heard that's good. Ted Lasso.
0: Mm. Tim, oh yeah, how you liking that? By the way.
2: I'm liking it a lot. I really – I enjoy Ted Lasso quite a bit. Even if you're not a soccer fan, I think it's a good oh, show. Oh,
0: yeah, you don't have to be a soccer yeah. fan at all. No, there's no game action or no. very little.
1: Very little. I mean, if anything, it's a show you would like, Tom, a football guy that goes
0: over and coaches soccer. Absolutely. <laughs> it's my hero, Ted Lasso. <laughs> Nutcutter. They need more uh, than that nut cutter. In Although I like the guy here in town. I like that guy. So the boys – superheroes are often as popular as celebrities as influential as politicians and sometimes even as revered as gods but that's when they're using their powers for good what happens when the heroes go rogue and start abusing their powers
2: yeah it's it's a very realistic spin on what superheroes would be like in modern society
0: really so that's the boys
2: that's The Boys. Okay,
0: so you're watching that. What else? I'm going to look up each of these to give kind of a uh, preview.
2: Well, Vikings is a great show, too.
0: That's one I kind of forgot about. Okay, but what what else are you watching now, though? Ted Lasso, The Boys. Um, so, I finished Mandalorian.
2: I really enjoy Mandalorian. I, I enjoy the the Disney Marvel shows and the Star Wars shows. Um I need it. I need some recommendations, honestly, because I'm too nervous to start. Um, the the one about the dragons and it's so popular. Game of Thrones. Game of
1: Thrones. Yeah. The one about the dragons, Casey. The one about that the hurts. Dragons,
2: I just I I'm so nervous to start that because I don't want to be. I don't want to be dragged along for all this time and then i heard so many bad things about the no ending. no 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 don't no, no no
1: don't worry about that just watch the first <laughs> six seasons yeah the last two seasons are like yeah they're not great but you get to that point and you just you finish it off anyway so no no, no. don't don't that, let the naysayers get you down about game of thrones
2: that might be what we watch next honestly yes is, is game of thrones I've been waiting. I've been saving it because, one, I heard a lot of good things back in the day about it. And then the last couple seasons, I heard a lot of terrible things. So I was like, oh, good. It's a good thing I didn't spend all this time investing in it. And
1: it disappoint me in the end. So Game of Thrones? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you watched it live and you were waiting for years and years and years to get to that final season, yeah, it was terrible. But if you just go back and you watch the first five seasons or whatever and binge it, and then you get to seasons, it's like five and a half seasons are really good. And then the last two are just horrific, but it is what it is. Yeah. Don't, the, the first five and a half seasons make up for it. It's yeah. good.
0: Casey, then, have you ever been to, was asked in the chat by Fred, have you ever been to the Renaissance Festival? I have.
2: And I've, I've gotten a giant turkey leg. I didn't have a Viking helmet though at the time. I wish I did.
0: When is that? Is that, is that, what part, what time of the
2: year is that? In the fall? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's, I don't think it's the fall.
1: I wouldn't know. Don't know.
2: I don't think it's the fall. I could be wrong on that though. I've all, I only went one time and the one time I went, it started pouring down raining.
0: Early fall.
1: Early fall. Where is it?
0: Labor Day to Halloween. It's right down the road here. It's not far away from here. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that you need to, uh, to bring that helmet and walk around the Renaissance Festival. That'll be after your nuptials. That would be a perfect little getaway. It's over in Waynesville, I think it is. That'd be a perfect little getaway for you guys to uh, just go hang out for a Saturday or a Sunday or one night, Friday night. Put that helmet on. Yeah. You'll be dialed
2: in. I'll take a picture of me with a giant turkey leg. Yes. Going to town. Yes.
0: And a cold beer. Cold Bud Light a, and, turkey Light and that turkey leg with that hat on, and you'll be dialed in.
2: A giant mug of mead just for Leaf. Just for Leaf, which I'm so sad that he's not come back. That takes so much Where is
0: he? From
1: him. Where is Leaf? Where is Leaf Erickson? It would be nice to know. He's can can Leaf ever make a comeback? I don't know. He's out pillaging
2: somewhere. Still upset with me. So, so sad. Well, we've got about nine,
1: ten minutes left. Okay. All right, so let's make uh, – we do have Box Lunch coming up after this. We'll have chat power rankings and all that. Reed's okay. com- Reed's coming in to host Box Lunch. But before we get out of here today on this show, we have to make our derby picks. Before we do that, let's run the one-minute one highlight of last year, in case you don't remember. This is the incredible comeback last year from Rich Strike. Look at how far back he comes in the race. And it's Larry Colmus in the bottom right. His broadcast of it running. Here we so go. is next after three quarters in one minute, ten and four fifth seconds. And now Epicenter comes splitting horses and is moving up quickly as Crown Pride takes the lead around the far turn. It is Crown Pride battling
5: with Messier. They're stride for stride. Epicenter and Zozos in behind them. Cyberknife speeds up to the outside. Sandon gets the rail run and they're into the stretch. That's still
1: so and far, it's far Messier, back. Messier, Crown
5: Pride, then Epicenter.
1: No, wait, is just, he's up still the like this. At I'm look how he links back, Now he the makes lead. his move. Look got things open up now, there, though. There's, there's, God up there's God at work. And, and then he comes. Meant back
5: to be. Strike for strike. Simplification down the outside is next. And are coming down to the wire. That Center's ended. Rich Strike is coming up on the inside. Oh, my goodness! The longest shot has won the Kentucky
0: Derby. Rich Strike has done it in a stunning unbelievable upset so,
5: that's a that big league incredible. call right
0: there it is big league call that's a buddy of yours right
1: yeah so i i did a podcast during covid didn't run very long but just gave me a gave me a reason to stay busy and had some broadcasters on and uh larry was kind enough to join me and it was it was a great time he's been a broadcaster for a long time in horse racing, and he actually uh, got his start out at a racetrack near where I was working in Bowie so that we had a little bit of that connection. And I haven't talked to him since then, but it's a good dude. Really good dude. Really okay. Good dude. Let's get to it. Let's go. All right. Picks. Make your pick. Tom, you got to uh, put the put put the the odds up there. So th- there have been four scratches right now. We'll see who fills in the field from the alternates. Uh, you're, you're looking at probably 19, 20 horses in here. Uh, Four, four have been scratched, especially Practical Move, who was a popular pick. I am going to go with... Are uh, we
0: going win, play, show here? Or just a winner?
1: I'm going to... Let's just go
0: with a winner. All right, let's go with a winner. Go let's ahead. just
1: go with a winner. I'm going to go with two fills. Two fills. Um, I'm going to go with... Empire. Angel of Empire? Yep. Flavor and Pratt, great jockey great jockey casey
0: i'm taking the 15 to 1 long shot verifying to win it
1: the two spot all right there all we right. go good stuff all right uh oh and then our our cherry on top run it go ahead casey I, tom i don't know if
2: you saw this this morning okay but he uh, did not but we have a new reveal for the City Connect for the Reds, and I think you'll— How
0: wanna... big league would that be? <laughs> big league. No, I'm going to tell you, that would go down as the greatest jersey of all time. If you came trotting out into a game with a team nut cutters on it— Oh, yeah. That other team knows you're coming to play. Absolutely. I think we would. Who sell. created that? Did you create that? <laughs>
1: no, Rico Suave on love Twitter. Love
0: Rico. He comes up with some great stuff. Yes. I just. Love How many the of those detail. you think? You know what we got to do? In all seriousness, we got to get those made here at. Um,
1: Headlines. If it didn't have the Reds logo on the side, no,
0: we won't have the Reds. No, on no, it. no. I'm just saying. We want to be associated with a winner here? <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> if we don't do that. We could sell a million of them. I think that'd be legit.
0: Bye bye bye. It would be like Wall Street. Bye bye bye.
2: <laughs> bye 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 bye. bye.
0: <laughs> that would be big time. Rico, you're the man, Rico. You're the man. All right, almost time for box lunch. Reed Mouse is in the house. Reed, what's happening, brother. Not Your much- Cubbies are a sinking ship, <laughs> just like the rest of them in that division. Hey huh? NL Central's wide
1: open,
6: Tom. I gotta tell you, you're getting to my heart a little bit today. You're defending Anthony Rizzo. And, I love Rizzo.
0: And you, uh, you just called the
6: Reds losers. So,
0: well, I mean, are they winning?
6: That's true. I, I'm, I'm, I,
0: if they're winning, I'll call them winners. That's right. Right? That's right. Everybody in the Central is a loser right now. What is it? 18 games. 18 in a row collectively in the division. The Reds it's not a taking a shot at the Reds. I'm just saying that right now. They're a sub 500 team. So yeah. That's not winning. Right?
6: Right. No, no doubt Neither about it. Neither are your Cubbies. Yeah, they've lost six of seven. So the Reds are probably playing the best out of anyone in the NL Central right you now. You
0: know what? I think you might be right. Yeah. Yeah.
6: White Sox come to town. They can, they can sneak a series out. White Sox aren't very good.
0: What do you think of Rizzo? You got to love Rizzo, right? My Even dogs, though he's gone.
6: My dog's name's Rizzo. I, Anthony Rizzo is probably my favorite baseball player I've ever watched. Yeah. He was the first. The first pillar of the, the Cubs rebuild. Yep. And he represented the franchise beautifully. He was the captain. No one I'd rather have hoist the trophy, the commissioner's trophy, coming out on Wrigley Field after they, after they won it all. Anthony Rizzo is – he's a game he, – he goes to New York, and he's a lot of New Yorkers' favorite players now.
0: Well, he's a man of the people. Right. I mean, you know, look, uh, you know, uh, he is a – he's a regular guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Italian family, whole nine yards. I used to watch him coming out of Wrigley after games, uh, and the way that he would be with fans, it, it, it's just unbelievable. I mean, he, 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 yeah, I mean, I don't know how anybody doesn't like. I mean, Steve Cashman says that we hate Rizzo. Okay, you, it's because you don't like the Cubs. How do you not like Rizzo? He leans into the
6: Italian thing, which is awesome. He where's does. The, where's the two chains oh, yeah. and and a, a wife beater? But that's who he is. Right, right. There's nothing wrong with that. His uh, his uh, the school he graduated from actually was uh the school that had that school shooting down in Fort Lauderdale from a few years ago, if you remember that too. And he did a lot of, a lot of good work after yep. that happened. He, so. he
0: uh, believe me, there's a lot to like with Anthony Rizzo. Is anybody perfect? No, but there's a lot to like. All right, um, what do you got coming up here today, big boy? Uh, not a whole lot to talk about. The main thing
6: is the chat power rankings. And Paul, oh, big deal. Listen, listen, Tom. I've been. I've been ridiculed for my power ranking. So we bestowed the power upon Paul
1: and... I feel pretty good about him. I finalized <laughs> them a few minutes ago. I feel pretty good about him. Okay. It's a lot of power. And There's that's power, at the end of, of the show. That's at the end of the show. Okay. Tom, I want you to tell me right now, do we as a chat end up at Sonic for lunch today? Yes or no? Does the wheel send us to Sonic today?
0: Weren't you the one bad-mouthing Sonic one day? Sonic's terrible, Tom. It's terrible. We don't. What about rallies? (laughs) There's
6: not a rallies here in town. It's okay. Rallies is okay.
0: All right. Okay. Because I think when you told me that, I was confusing it with rallies. Because I think that's around the corner from where I live in Milford, and um, and my son swears it's a great spot. Rallies. I've probably
6: been to rallies twice in my life. I think there is actually a rallies on the east side of town here. So.
0: Okay. All right. Um, I think there's a good chance because Reed doesn't like it that it's going to come up. Since he's in a losing streak, uh, like the Cubs, and it sounds like he does not want the wheel to hit Sonic, that means it's going to hit Sonic.
1: Oh, so you're predicting a Sonic lunch? That's huge. We've never been to Sonic, Sonic as, a, uh, as a group off the wheel.
0: Casey and I have been once. That's but... about to change. All right. All right, here we go. Uh, Case, thank you so much. Paulie, thank you. Reed, I- have a great show. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Have a great weekend. The very, very best to all of you and yours. God bless. We'll see you next week. Have a great day.